Welcome to the 275th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with crime novelist Damianti Biswas. Stay tuned for the interview. Expand your reading. Add some books written by an author of color to your to-be-read stack. Chester B. Himes, author of the best-selling novel If He Hollers, Let Him Go, was the 20th century's most prolific black writer. He is best known for his hard-boiled detective stories, including Cotton Comes to Harlem, featuring black New York City police detectives Gravedigger Jones and Coffin Ed Johnson. A film was made of Cotton Comes to Harlem. Himes began writing while incarcerated for seven years in the Ohio State Penitentiary, starting at the age of 19. He later lived abroad in Paris and then in Spain. In 2017, a biography was published, Chester B. Himes, A Biography. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the large audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community with your audiobooks purchases. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and writing podcast special offer, get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Damianti Biswas, author of the new crime novel, You Beneath Your Skin. Damianti, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about your novel, You Beneath Your Skin, yet, can you describe your new novel? Uh, Well, You Beneath Your Skin is a crime novel. It is about the investigation of an acid attack on a woman from uh, Delhi's upper class set against the backdrop of crimes against underprivileged women. Uh, They are assaulted, disfigured with acid, murdered. Uh, The framework is a thriller framework, but it asks questions like what kind of men attack women? What happens when a woman tries to break the glass ceiling? Uh, you know, and also about motherhood. How do you know uh, what's going on in your child's life? If you're the parent of a special child, what challenges do you face and what sort of support you can expect? So it's it's a who done it, but it's also a why done it. Sure. Well, can you read a few pages from You Beneath Your Skin? Um, I'm going to read... Uh, 
chapter that is set in a morgue. Uh, Anjali Morgan, she is a psychologist and she has been asked by her friend Jatin Bhatt to go and look at a corpse, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, a murder case where she, he needs help, but he cannot go to through the regular official channels due to a variety of reasons. So I'm going to read from Anjali's section. Drawing her scarf closer about her neck, Anjali stepped out of Kusum's jeep at the Spabdajang mortuary. The sooty air made her cough, the chill about her face like the touch of a spiteful ghost, light yet unmistakable in its malign intent. It was far colder where she was headed. A hushingar, still blooming in early November, had left a carpet of stale flowers on the ground beside the entrance. Nikhil loved to crush the orange stems of the tiny white flowers. He was the one who had taught her its name. Daylight had dwindled, and at this rundown building behind the main hospital, Anjali heard no sound other than the distant chitter of roosting birds in the trees bordering the parking lot. Are you all right, Anjali ji? Anjali liked this police woman Jatin sent with her, dusky, muscular, the relaxed face of someone who slept well at night with an unburdened conscience. Kusum's presence reassured Anjali, though the woman's head barely leveled with Anjali's shoulders. Sure, let's go in. Anjali zipped up her police jacket. I'm going to find the doctor, Kusum smiled. You wait for me? The temperature had dropped to six degrees that afternoon. Nikhil had smashed a flower vase and a few plates at lunch. Maya and the housekeeper, Ira, struggled with the season's first flu, and Anjali felt as if she'd drunk too much coffee and wine all at once. Each hotel room rendezvous with Jatin ended with a crash. Her body ached and her mind grew numb with the effort of trying to tamp down her guilt. She dabbed Vicks under her nose. It stung, but helped fade out the stench of detergents and bleach that layered the mortuary corridor and the butcher shop odor lurking beneath the chemicals. That smell took her back to her childhood grocery trips with her dad on Sundays where they chose steak for mom, chicken or lamb for her and dad. She might have been American, but her Hindu father had insisted she not eat beef. Right now, she must drag her Hindu-American butt through the long corridor lined with racks and drawers and study a corpse without flinching or throwing out. Must study it and find her way to the killer, not think about how it had once been a living, breathing person or how it would soon be turned into ash and charred bones. The cold afternoon steeped into the narrow corridor and Anjali drew her scarf tighter. Her gut told her to upchuck her lunch and run, but she needed to go through with this for Jatin. She wanted to hold his large, reassuring hand while she walked down the corridor. 
Kusum stood in front of her instead with a doctor in charge, a balding, soft-spoken old man with a straggly beard. He wore a lap coat over his sweater, no other barrier against what could be a whole host of infections. He offered them coats, masks, and gloves, and while Anjali accepted, Kusum waved hers away. Along with all the protective gear, Anjali donned her listening shrink face and followed the other two into the morgue. We've had it for 49 hours, was all the warning the doctor gave them before asking an orderly to drag out one of the drawers in a wall cabinet. Under the wide glare of halogen bulbs, the plastic sheet-covered body on the slab smelled like meat past its use by date. Anjali clenched her jaw, but no amount of preparation could have contained her gasp. She stared at the face, if you could still call it that, stood away, leaving behind a slick mess with stuffs of bone poking out. The body had bloated to almost twice its normal size. Like an alien from a B-grade sci-fi movie, Anjali shoved her hands into the pockets of the lab coat and dug her nails into her thigh. The wicks protected her somewhat, but she saw Kusum raise her knuckles to her nose. What happened to her face? The question shot out of Anjali before she could stop herself. Jatin hadn't wondered about this. Great. Uh, well, do you remember the original idea that led you to write You Beneath Your Skin? Uh, I don't really work from ideas. I work more from voices or uh, smells or, you know, usually it's something uh, of a sensory input. So in this case, it was Anjali's voice. And uh, I wrote her somewhere back in 2011. Her voice was there in a writing exercise. And and then I started asking questions. Who was this woman? Why was she, you know, who she was? She was a perfectionist, but she had a son who had autism. And so how was she coping with this? Oh, she had a lover who's jumping. But, and that's how the story kind of came to be. So it was never an idea. I didn't know what I was writing about at all. And, and so what was your journey to, to writing fiction? Is You Beneath Your Skin the first novel you've written? Uh, yes, it is my first one, and uh, books have always been my favorite escape, but I never thought I'd write one. Uh, more than 15 years ago, when I got married and I traveled to Malaysia, it wasn't easy for me to get a work permit, so then my husband said, you know, why don't you take up writing? He'd read uh, Thomas Friedman's book, The World is Flat, and he said, well, if, you know, you could... You could get a laptop, start writing, and who knows, somebody could, you know, pay for what you're writing. And uh, I did manage to get money. I wrote a few articles, and then my editor said, you know, your writing has too much of style, so go and exorcise all that poetic stuff, and uh, here we are. <laughs> so that's been more or less, it's been a very organic journey. I'm not a trained writer. Gotcha. And was there something about the crime genre that appealed to you as a writer when you were working on your novel? 
Uh, actually, I didn't know I was writing crime till someone who read a draft, uh, my mentor from uh, Birkbeck, she said, uh, you know, that's what I was writing. I won a mentorship with the University of Birkbeck. And uh, when she read the novel, she said, oh, you know, you have dead bodies, you have a police inspector, you're writing a crime novel. And uh, at the same time, I was reading uh, In Cold Blood by Truman Capote, and I was so moved by the language, the beauty of how he had written, and, and the fact that he, he was able to kind of uh, peel back layers of people, peel back the layers of society, and, you know, actually look inside people. I also read uh, uh, books by Kate Atkinson, Tana French, Jodie Picoult, and uh, all, all of these books kind of... Uh, you know, made me think of the sort of book I wanted to write, the sort of crime novel, which is not exactly a whodunit. It does have a whodunit element, but it's more of why is a person committing a crime? It's not so much of who is committing the crime. So that's what really interests me. Why do people break rules? Uh, you know, why do they cross that legal, moral, ethical line, if you will? And, and so the proceeds of your novel will go to Project Y and Stop Acid Attacks. Can you explain the work of these two organizations? Well, Project Y, uh, I started working with them about uh, 12 years ago, but they began in 2000, in the year 2000, with 40 kids who wanted to learn spoken English and a few volunteers. And over the last 20 years, they have grown. They have now run six after-school support centers. And every year, more than 1,000 children, uh, about 400 women, uh, get job opportunities and uh, education through teachers who belong to the community itself. So when somebody donates to the project, they are donating to a, a you know, a sort of uh, organization that works completely within the community. So the teachers, the admin, everything comes from the community. So it's true empowerment. Um, Stop Acid Attacks is a campaign against acid violence. So they've been campaigning for the cause of acid attack survivors by uh, continuously creating dialogue with the politics political and legal system in India to bring about uh, social change because the survivor of an acid attack requires immediate uh, medical, financial and psychological support. Uh, but the judicial procedures uh, in India do not assure any such intervention or help to the survivor until uh, you know a court, a court has to announce it. They have to say, yes, this person now deserves support. By the time it's too late. So it is this loophole in the procedure of justice that uh, stop acid attacks, that's where they step in. They generate immediate uh, medical and uh, financial support for the victims and uh, they provide them and their families uh, with the psychological and legal support. And what was your writing process like for you beneath your skin? Did you outline and plan your novel extensively or do you write more organically? Well, I wrote through 15 drafts, so yes, you could say it's very, very organic. Uh, the first few drafts were completely by the seat of my pants, and as I told you earlier, I didn't even know I was writing a crime novel, and 
But as uh, I had so many points of view, so I realized that my story was very complex because New Delhi is a very complex, uh, multi-layered city. Part of it is in the 21st century, some of it is in the 14th century, and some of it is, you know, the social norms are all over the place. So I needed so many characters to completely uh, flesh it out. Uh, so then I realized I did need an outline. So since I didn't know how to do an outline, I took out a bunch of index cards. So I had about 60 or 70 index cards and I kind of wrote the scene summaries on each. And then I had to check whether one thing led to another. So if this happened, so this happened. If this happened, so this happened. Because earlier it was like, you know, this happened, then this happened, which wasn't really working really. But uh, finally, I'd like to think that I got a structure where as you turn the chapters, you realize that, you know, uh, if you took out one chapter or one scene or even a little paragraph, perhaps, uh, sometimes uh, the entire story would fall apart. So that's how I went into outlining. It was not a deliberate process at all. <laughs> and so what's next for you? Are you planning to write more novels? Uh, as it happens, I am. I have an agent, uh, and he has been working with me on my next novel, uh, which is set in Mumbai. It is another crime novel. It's about a bar dancer in Mumbai uh, and a police inspector, and the background is a spree of uh, serial killings that happen uh, throughout the city. So, yes, more fiction. And what advice do you have for aspiring writers who may be listening and are writing their own stories or novels? So I do get asked this question a lot, especially wherever I go and give a talk or at conferences. And uh, one of the first things I ask the person who's asking me the question is, how long have you been writing? And if, if they've been writing like less than four months, I'm like, do you want to reconsider? Because, you know, it's, it's not all that's that it's cracked out to be but you know if you're here for the long run I usually say this that uh, writers can measure success in three ways I think one is paying money that piece another is appreciation for you know from peers and you know awards and stuff like that and uh, the third is I think self-satisfaction uh, it is often not possible to have all three. In fact, that's very, very rare. Very rarely do writers get all of these three. And most writers have two. So it really helps us if we can figure out which of the two that we are willing to make do with. Is it fame and money we want and with some self-satisfaction? Is it, you know... So we kind of figure out uh, that... Is it, which part is it okay that we can let go and not get very depressed about it? Because there tend to be a lot of bitter writers sometimes who get very depressed and angry. But it's important to have perspective and figure out why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, why did you get into this writing life? So once you know why you get got into it so when the low phases come in you remind yourself of the reason and then you kind of move on from there and what books fiction or non-fiction have you read recently that made an impression on you and that you would recommend um i 
been reading, I read a few books at the same time, and they are wildly different. So I was reading Joka Alharti's book, the man now Booker Prize winner, Celestial Bodies, uh, set in Oman. And it's, it's a tremendous feat of imagination because it it kind of goes through so many different timelines, characters, and uh, you know, social milieu, all of that put together, uh, but done in such a beautiful way that uh, you kind of get completely absorbed into that atmosphere. And it's very, very new to me because, of course, I've never been to Oman. Uh, another is Less by Andrew Sean Greer. Uh, it's it's a it's a book I picked up because I thought it would be light reading. Turned out to be anything but beautifully written book and uh, uh, about a gay man's uh, journey in the literary world. And a lot of it sounded very familiar, the kind of places he goes to, the sort of situations he faces as a writer. And uh, I think the third one is... Uh, by Madeleine Miller and that's a retelling of the myth and I kind of fell in love with the atmosphere and it kind of carried me away and I I really was uh, completely absorbed and you know taken in by it so these days I'm not able to read a lot of thrillers because they make me very anxious and I feel anxious already uh, given the current situation around all of us but uh, uh, so I've been looking for escapes so these three have done a very good job uh, recently and I'd recommend them for sure. Great well where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more about you and your novel? Uh, well, that's my website, uh, damiantirights.com. And uh, I just come up on Google. If you just Google Damianti and rights, uh, there's just a whole lot that comes up. Or, you know, anybody could Google you beneath your skin and uh, find me that way. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Damianti Biswas, author of the new crime novel, You Beneath Your Skin. So go grab a copy of the new novel now and uh, read it. And Damianti, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards.